Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. So my name is Tom Schmidt, and I'm not going to give you like a full-blown testimony, but um, my wife Holly is here in the front row. Raise your hand, beautiful woman. That's her. We've been married 32 years this August. Uh, coming up, uh, we met in 1987, and uh, we've had nine children together um, during that time. Well, seven biological kids and two uh, heart kids that we adopted from Ethiopia uh, when they were babies, about four months old and six months old, and we brought them into our family, and, and they're part of our family. So uh, we've been in ministry together since around 92, right? Yeah, 92. We started in Atlanta, Georgia, doing like homeless ministries and taking bread to shut-ins and taking communion to, to elderly that couldn't make it to church. And we worked in a maternity home for unwed mothers. And then one day, I'm just minding my own business, sitting in Sunday school class, and the Lord says, quit working for man and come work for me. I'm like, what? Who am I? I, don't, I have nothing. I'm a restaurant manager and a cook. That's what I was doing when I met her. She came in to apply for a waitress job, and I told my friend, he was a manager in the front of the house, I said, hire that girl, I'm gonna marry her. I'm not even joking, not even joking. And it took me two years to convince her of that, but I knew <laughs> when I saw her, I was gonna marry her. And so, 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 so I'm, a, I'm a kitchen manager and a cook, and, and the Lord says, quit working for man and come work for me. And I'm like, right. What am I got for you? Anyway, one thing led to another. I quit my job. We started, we went to serve with an organization called Mercy Ships. Now they were part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, when we started. And that's what we're still doing to this day. We are the local directors of YWAM Ships Corpus Christi here, right here in Corpus Christi. And we're just getting started. And I'll tell you how we got here in just a minute. So we go to Mercy Ships, and we served. We were in Nicaragua during Hurricane Mitch, and, and uh, I was just meeting these pastors, and, they're, and they're, they're the pastor because they're like the oldest guy in the community or the, or the first guy that became a Christian or, or the only guy that could read, okay? The only guy that could read. So, no, he'll be the pastor because he can read the Bible or the only guy that owned a full Bible, and I, seen, I saw pastors that were leading churches of 40 to 100 people using just those little Gideon's uh, pocket New Testament Psalms and Proverbs, you know, and they're doing a great job. But I kept thinking, man, what could they do if they had a little bit more? What if they had a whole Bible? What if they were exposed to the whole history of God and what he was doing in their lives and what he's done in creation and what he's done for all of mankind since the beginning? Wouldn't that even be more powerful? Now, don't get me wrong. We don't just need head knowledge because that's where I'm going with this, right? But we need the Holy Spirit, and we all have the Holy Spirit available at our disposal to teach us once we put our faith in Christ, right? He's there, and he's active, and he's moving with us and in us and through us, right? But these guys, they're, they're, they're leading these, these churches down there, and I just had a burden for them. And through the time when we were down there, the Lord said, go to seminary. I'm like, seminary? What? I, mean, I never even went to college. How am I supposed to get a master's degree if I don't even have an undergrad degree? So anyway, I prayed about it. We went, and the Lord sent me to seminary up in Dallas, and I got in. Even the, even the, even the, even the registrar's office one time, I went in there to, to ask about taking 12 hours because I needed financial scholarship aid, right? You know, I was only allowed, I was on probation for nine hours. 
And so I go into the, to the room. I said, well, I really need to get 12 hours. And the girl goes, well, where did you do your undergrad? And I'm like, I didn't. And she goes, and she went like this. This is an employee of the seminary. She was behind the little glass panel there. And she went, and they let you in? She really did that. She was, she was like, they let you in? And I was like, yeah, they let me in. So I guess I'm special ed. So anyway, so, so they let me in and I finished my four years and I kept thinking, man, this is so good. I got a lot of great tools out of this. I learned about Bible study and you know, all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm going to take this back and I'm going to go back to Nicaragua and I'm going to empower some of my friends, these pastors that have their little Bibles. I'm going to take cases of Bibles and we're going to fire up and we're going to take that nation over for God. Good plan, right? All right. So we're in line at Dallas Seminary to get our passport pictures taken because they're uh, giving away free passport pictures in the library for anybody that's going to the mission field. I'm like, free passport pictures with all those kids? Yeah, we need some free stuff. Let's go. So we're in this line getting ready to take our passport pictures. And my oldest son, Tom Jr., he's 14, starts throwing up. I'm like, what the heck? Maybe he had too many Topo Chicos last night. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, seriously, because he had like four. Remember, we thought that. Maybe he had too many of those, what do you call those? Che- Takis. Maybe he had too many Takis and Topo Chicos last night, and he's, and he's got an upset stomach, you know? But it turns out he had type 1 diabetes, okay? And so the doctors and the mission said, you know, you guys are not leaving the country. I'm like, man, Lord, what am I going to do? And it was the first time in my life that I was like blindsided by something that didn't go the way that I thought it would. And so the Lord sustained us through that. And I love that song, All My Life, He Has Been Faithful. And so um, when I'm telling you these things, it's not to build me up, all right? It's a testimony to the goodness of God, all right? Just so you know, I'm not trying to tell you I think I'm something I'm not. The Lord is the one that's faithful. So, so we go to this uh, diabetes thing and, and the Lord says, well, I said, Lord, what am I gonna do? I've invested all this time, money, energy, resources into getting this so we can go to Nicaragua. And he said, just be a center and equipper. You can do that right here. I'm like, all right, all right I, have, I have a degree now. Maybe I could use it. Let's send some resumes out, right? I send resumes out. I even sent one to Alaska, y'all. I, said, I mean, I was sending out resumes all over the place. And the guy calls me up and goes, you know, this is in Alaska, right? And I'm like, um, actually, I thought it was Arkansas, but thanks, thanks for calling me back. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, uh, but then I get a call from this little church and the guy says, yeah, we're in Laredo, Texas. And I'm like, looking through my book, like where I sent all these things. I'm like, Laredo? I never said anything to Laredo. That's not even on my map. Where is Laredo? You know, and so if you're from Laredo, I'm sorry, but when we lived there, even my friends used to say, the friends that are from Laredo used to tell me, when you're in Laredo, you're two and a half hours away from any place you want to be. I guess they were talking about San Antonio. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so we're down there in Laredo and, and we go down to the interview and they hire me to be the missions pastor at this church. And I'm like, okay, missions in Laredo, that's about as close to being out of the country as you can get without actually needing your passport. So I'll take that. All right, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, you know? And so we went down there and we preached for five years. I was a pastor there for five years. Then I resigned as we were, Tommy was getting older. He's, you know, now he's my son. He's learning how to take care and manage his own health care. And so we're making this transition and we start to feel, I think it was Jordan a few weeks ago in the tribe Sorry if you're not in there. You don't may not realize or recognize or understand this, but he painted a little post about like the stirring, you know, and I told him, I call it a holy discontent. When the Lord is getting us ready to move on or to move differently, I call it a holy discontent. He's stirring on us, putting us to something new. And that's why we always have to stay postured, right? 
Or like you guys watch those Olympics, you got to be like this, right? On the blocks, ready, set, because when he says go, it's time to go, right? And so we need to be ready and prepared, postured, positioned to be able to go during hurricane season. Do you guys make a go bag? Huh? Do you guys make a go bag or not? You just like, ah, we're used to that stuff. I'm like, I've only been here two years. I'm making a go bag. So I'm like, I'm ready though. When, if, if when I see that little red swirly thing coming on the map, I'm going to go. You know where I'm going? To Laredo. And so, because <laughs> that's where I want to be. Anyway, during a hurricane, that's where I want to be. So anyway, um, so we're, so we're going back, you know, and we got our go bag. We got to be postured. We got to be ready to go when the Lord says go. And so we're down there and we're serving and we're getting ready to go making that transition, starting to feel that holy discontent moving us towards getting back into missions as Tommy's able to take care of his own health care. And then my daughter is um, molested by a youth worker at the church that I resigned from, right? And I'm like, man, this is the second time I was blindsided by something that I didn't see coming. You know, and I know people are not good by nature. The Bible tells us that. And I know bad things happen to good people. But I was really having a hard time with the why of this. And then I even had a harder time when Christians in that church were telling me, oh, just let it go. Don't prosecute. You don't know the trouble that family's been through. You don't know what they've had to endure. And I'm like, wait, that... I'm sorry, I know it says turn the other cheek, but this was a crime. This isn't just, this isn't just, I need to forgive, which I did, but this was a crime. And it went to court and there was punishment and and everything. So, you know, but it was hard to have people who I thought, I'm not going to say thought were believers because I still think they're believers, but I think they're people that are just misguided in their intent and their actions say and do things and treat one another poorly because of what other people might think, right? And so anyway, we ended up moving and getting back involved with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, um, through that whole situation there. And uh, we were praying one night. I'm like, Lord, it's time now. We've got the posture. We're ready to go. And we were praying on a Sunday night. I said, how can we get back into YWAM? Lord, show us how to get back into YWAM. Monday night, I'm scrolling through that evil old Facebook, right? That time killer Facebook. And there's a post from a friend that says, um, hey guys, our outreach leaders need, uh, had a family emergency. They can't make it anymore. We're looking desperately for outreach leaders. Our outreach leaves in like X amount of weeks. And I'm like, hey, I just resigned from the church. Baby, I'm going to throw, I told her, baby, I'm going to throw our name in the hat and just see what happens. The worst they can do is say no, right? Bam, next thing you know, we're back in YWAM. That was in 2013, and uh, we've been doing it ever since. Uh, we were down in all of Central America. We lived in Panama for the last five years, running an operating location there on an island called Bastimentos, Isla Bastimentos, in Bocas del Toro, in Panama, right off the coast of Panama. Now, that's a, it's a little island. Um, if you guys don't know Bocas, it's, a, um, it's an area where there's no roads, there's no cars, there's no water system, there's no electricity. And so we lived in a house up on a hill uh, where we had to catch the rainwater off the roof and filter it, and that's what we used to eat, drink, bathe, cook, everything. And uh, our energy was all solar-powered. Solar panels, I had four little solar panels on the roof and some batteries, and then we had a little uh, gas generator to get those guys charged if it would because because what happens is it's kind of I don't know if it, 
I haven't noticed it as much here, but in Panama, it's either really rainy and you get plenty of water so you can shower, or it's really sunny and you don't get much rain, but you, but you have lights. You know, so it's kind of like, oh, give it, we like that nice balance where it's sunny in the rainy, I mean, rainy in the morning and then sunny all afternoon. So you kind of balance the two things, keep the tanks full, but yet still have enough electricity to make it through the night. And so that's, that's the, like, the ideal time right there. So we're, we're living there on, the, on this island with the indigenous Indians, the Nobe people. And like we led a whole village through the grace of God to know the Lord and did Bible study with them and got Bibles to them and even got... Um, the chips for the phone, yes. SIM cards. No, not SIM cards. The, I, something like that. But but they have um like memory cards, and they put them in there, and they had the Bible in their own language, Buglere. The first time they were hearing it, they were able to hear their Bible being read to each other. You know, because the, the Bible hadn't been. They didn't have printed Bibles yet, only Spanish. And these guys were indigenous Indians that spoke Buglare first and then Spanish. So we always had to have like a couple translators, but I speak a little Spanish, so I got by. Anyway, um, it was really great to see that ministry. And while we're down there, we always keep that posturing thing going on. We're ready. When the Lord says, go, we go. When the Lord says, move, we move. If he doesn't say move, we don't move. If he doesn't say go, we don't go. And so we're there and the Lord's feeling like, we're feeling like the Lord says, get ready to move back to the United States. I'm like, United States, I'm loving it here, Lord. Look at what's going on. We got this ministry. We're living here. This is great. You know, I mean, because like, even though it was isolated, like we had to go down a quarter mile downhill, about 112 steps just to get to our dock so we could get in a boat so we could go 35 minutes to another island just to go get groceries. You know, where, yeah, that's where the grocery store was. And so, but it was so much fun. And the Lord was doing such great things. We, we actually accidentally planted an English-speaking church in Bocas del Toro while we were there. <laughs> it came out of a Bible study. So, I mean, the Lord's doing all this stuff, but he's saying, it's time to go back. And we're like, all right, but we're going to go to Texas, right, Lord? And he says, yeah. I said, all right, where are we going to go? Let's go on the coast, all right? Galveston, yes, it's close to an international airport. We can get anywhere from there. And, you know, he says, no. So, okay, where are we going to go? Corpus Christi. It's like, it's like, what's that, Laredo Part 2? You know, no, just you know, Corpus Christi, you know, that's where you go for vacation, right? Lord, you want us to go live in a vacation spot? You know, because I'm thinking Port Aransas, South Padre, even our beach here at Whitecap, it's beautiful. This is a great place. I love it. But, but, but it was not... When I was thinking, go back to Texas, Corpus Christi was not like in my top 15 cities where I would end up. <laughs> but he says, Corpus Christi. I'm like, I love that body of Christ. Body of Christ. I love that. Let's go. So we checked it out. We came. First, we went to Galveston, just like on a spine out the land trip. You know, we go down to Galveston and, and um, we're like, no, nah, this ain't it. We went from what, Port Lavaca all the way down to South Padre, looking at everything. We came and we spent like three weeks, three nights here in Corpus and we fought the whole time. So when we left, we were like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so, so we end up here in Corpus and we arrived. The Lord orchestrated everything and got us back. And we moved into our house on December 1st, 2019, just in time to celebrate COVID with y'all. And then so, and so now we've been here for about just over a year. And we ended up, um, when we moved over here, cause I was a pastor in Laredo, I had a friend that, um, had moved over here to Corpus Christi and I had kept in touch with them through Facebook and stuff. I said, hey, where are you guys going to church? And they told me. So we started going over there and I was like, oh, this is a great church. But it just wasn't like, I don't know, I don't know guys, does, does, when you came in here, did it like just click in you? 
right? It just like clicks, right? And so you know you're home in a home church when it just, I don't know how to, other than that click. And so we were over there and it just didn't do that. I mean, I liked everything, you know, I liked everything about the church. But then we were driving home, we'd go right by here and Holly goes, look at that church. I'm like, oh yeah, we should go check that out, she says. I said, yeah, let's go check it out. And we walked in and I'm listening and, and, also, and it just did that click. And I was like, oh, it was like, welcome home, Tom and Holly. And I was like, okay, this is it. So we just started coming, right? And, and so we end up here. And then, oh, that was like in March, just this past year. And then, and then in June, I meet this guy named Kevin, right? This prophet Kevin dude. I'm like, wait a minute, what is, what is this stuff? What is going on? Because, you know, I thought, I thought after seminary and all these years in missions, I thought I knew some stuff. All right? I thought I knew some stuff, but then all of a sudden I have this, I don't even know what to say other than this encounter with God and the Holy Spirit comes and, and just like, okay, yeah. It's like a whole new world, guys. It's like, I think of like, you guys know the story of Saul and Paul? You guys know Saul, right? Acts chapter nine, he's going on his little horse donkey thing going up to Damascus and God shows up, Jesus shows up and knocks him right off his donkey and tells him to, tells him to, you know, to straighten up and why are you persecuting me? And he has a personal encounter with the living God. And he walks away from that different. And in Acts chapter nine, I think I have a verse up there someplace um, like 18 and 19 at the end of Acts chapter nine, after Paul goes through all this and he goes over to the house of Judas and Ananias comes, it says there, it says, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and then he rose and was baptized. Then he goes on to say that, and taking food, he was strengthened. So I like the food part. You can tell I like food, right? That's why I had to throw that last part of that verse in there. But, but, he, uh, but something like scales fell off and that's kind of like what happened to me that day, that week, that night when Kevin was here. There was like these scales and they were just falling off. All this stuff I thought I knew, thought I understood became so much more vibrant. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was like just overwhelming, okay? It's like, okay, here it is. I got a new phone the other day, okay? All right, big deal, right? But, but this phone came with a little, like piece of plastic over the camera, right? And so when you look through it at first and that piece of, cam piece of plastic's on the camera, you're like, well, this camera's not that good. I can't even get, how do you make this focus, right? And then you're like, oh, there's a little piece of plastic back here and you peel it off and you're like, whoa, this is a good camera. Okay, that's kind of like what it was, okay? <laughs> it's kind of like that. You're like, whoa, there is, this is so much better than I thought it was, okay? Or it's like, it's like eating, having... Yeah, I last service because I like food, right? So you like it's like eating barbecue ribs, but without the barbecue. Then they're just it's just pork ribs, which are still good. But you know, if you season them up right, they can be really good. You know, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does when He comes in you. It's like this is really good. This is not just good. This is really good. You know, because now it's not just knowledge; it's life. Okay, it's not just knowledge; it's life. Okay, and so the Holy Spirit comes upon us and, we're, and, we're, and we understand now what it is God has called us out of and redeeming us from and moving us into. And it's a little bit different. When we walk out of that kingdom of darkness and into that kingdom of light, it's, that, it's, it's frozen, man. It's a whole new world, right? Isn't that the song, Frozen? 
right? Whole new world, brand new world, something. I don't know. Brand, right? Huh? Aladdin. Okay, Aladdin. I knew it was one of those crazy Disney movies. <laughs> it's a whole new world, a brand new world, whatever, right? And so, so here it is, and it's like, wow, just all this color pops. It's like, it's like, it's like Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to full color. I mean, it's just amazing, you know? And so, and it's Paul, when he's changed from Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus, it's like Nicodemus. I watched that episode of The Chosen the other day, Nicodemus, when he comes to Jesus, and it's just, it's like that. And, you know, it's like, and you being a teacher of the law, and yet you don't understand these things? How'd you even get this job? You know, that's a paraphrase. But, you know, but it's like, how'd you even, how did you even get to this place in your life? How are you a teacher and you don't understand what I'm talking to? You studied these scriptures, you walked and you talked and you did all this, and yet you don't know? You don't understand what I'm saying to you? I'm the Messiah, not me, okay, Jesus. I'm the Messiah. And, and, and he's just looking at him, like we used to say on the radio, like a cow looking at a new gate. Huh? 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 You know, but there he is. There he is. Jesus reveals himself to who he is. You know, that's a whole new world. So I'm excited. Can you tell me I'm a little excited about this? Okay. I love the Bible, but I love God and walking in the spirit with the Bible all the more. And so when I'm hearing this, like that, that Bible course thing, that's the one I get to have the privilege and honor of leading. And, you know, we cannot move towards the model and become holistic people building holistic churches if we don't have a foundation of spirit and truth. We can't do it. We can't do it. The purpose of these courses is to build holistic people or shape holistic people to build holistic churches. And if we don't have a foundation of the Bible, we will not be able to do it. Because if we don't understand what he said, we won't understand what he's saying today, right? You guys know that rhema, the logos, right? We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the rhema, God's word being spoken. We're gonna talk about logos, his written word. But we're also gonna talk about Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, and the difference all that makes when it's all wrapped together. So we can look at it and go, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you're going to be, I'm not anymore, Lord. I'm a new man. I've seen you. I understand you. The scales are off. I've changed my understanding of who I thought you were. And I realize who you are in the fullness of deity that dwells within you. And I'm ready to walk and talk and live a different life. And we can be holistic people building holistic churches that change the city and then the nations to the glory and honor of God. So this whole idea of the Bible and understanding the Bible, not just for head knowledge, because remember, you've probably heard it say, you know, sometimes it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Like when you get a job, sometimes, oh, yeah, how'd he get that job? Oh, yeah, he's, you know, nepotism. Oh, yeah, his brother, his cousin, his daddy, his uncle, somebody, his deal, somebody knows somebody, and he's in there now because of that. Sometimes we get looked over for promotions and we kind of get maybe a little bitter in our hearts because of that type of stuff. And we're like, oh man, he's only in there because his brother or only in, got that contract because whatever. So, but it's not what you know, it's who you know. And it's always, I like that in the kingdom too, guys. At the end, when you're gonna get ready to go into heaven, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Because you can sit there and you can go, but Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? And didn't I do this in your name? And what's he gonna say to some? Get away from me. I never knew you. So it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so we got to know him and we got to know him intimately and we got to know him by the spirit because he is spirit and we're spirit creatures 
and we need to walk and live and learn in spirit and in truth. And so the Bible, what's the importance of the Bible? Well, three quick examples. The first one is resisting temptation, right? Like, remember Jesus, he was tempted in the desert by Satan. For, after he was baptized, they took him out in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and he was tempted by Satan. And every time the Lord, the Satan said, it is written this and that. And Jesus was like, yeah, but it is also written, bam, and shut him down because you know, you're, you're not gonna turn my period into a question mark like Pastor David always says. You're not gonna make me doubt what I know scripture says because guess what? I am the resurrection. <laughs> I am the living word. You don't have any authority or any power. And we have access to that same power and ability through scripture to resist temptation. All right. So that, you know, being tempted is not a sin, y'all. Right. You understand that. Being tempted is not a sin. And yet so many of us beat ourselves up when we're tempted. But if Jesus was tempted and yet he was perfect and without sin to offer himself on the cross in order to pay atonement for our sins, he was sinless, even though he was tempted. Make sure you understand that. Make sure you know that. So what's the point of the scripture in this instance? It's, it's like we just came back from 5,000 mile journeys through July all the way up to Pennsylvania and Michigan and back. And we spent the night in a few hotel rooms. And on the back of the door, they always have that little map, right? A little, and it says like, you're in this room, 212. In case of fire, run this way go down these stairs and get out of the building over here, right? It's like an emergency evacuation plan, right? Just like we know when, we, when there's a hurricane coming, we grab our go bags and we get on the highway and we go the other way, right? Some people, maybe not, but some of you guys are used to it. But, but, but we have to have that evacuation plan formulated and known in our heads so that when that temptation that comes, especially the ones that know us, the ones we're familiar with and we know that they're familiar with us, we have to have a plan, and the scripture will help you build a plan to resist that. And then you can say, I'm going to resist you, enemy. And you have to flee from me. It's not, it's not just my idea. It's the word of God. Yeah. And now you will flee, Satan. So you have this power to resist temptation as you learn scripture and hide it in your heart. David writes in Psalms, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Paul writes to Timothy and tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Do I have, I think I have that one. That's probably the only one I referenced that you guys actually have, huh? Chapter 3, 16, 2 Timothy. Anyway, it says, for all scripture is God-breathed and useful for the correction, rebuke, reproof, and instruction in righteousness so that the man and women of God is equipped for every good work. Okay, that's 2 Timothy 3, there it is, 16 and 17. So we get built up in the scripture so that we can release the gifts and talents and callings and abilities that God has placed in us so that we know our proper place in the community as a holistic person walking and living and growing in a holistic church. But if we don't have that, we wander around unsure, uncertain, maybe a little bit un, not confident, whatever the case may be. But when we have this, we understand that, you know what? This is breathed out by God. This isn't just something I made up or Pastor David preaches. This is breathed out by God himself. Okay, and when we put that in us and then we see that we've been trained in righteousness and go to that next verse, 17, so that the man and women of God can be complete. Complete. What's complete? What's missing when you're complete? 
Thank you very much. You're complete. You're equipped for some good work, a good work, every good work. You're equipped for every good work within your gift mix, within your calling, within your wheelhouse, whatever you want to call it. You're ready to roll. And you're postured, leaning in, waiting for God to say go. You got your go bag and you're ready. And when he says go, you're like, yes, I am fully equipped for this. I can do this because God is with me. And I know because I've been trained in righteousness. And so we're prepared and we're ready to roll. All right. The next one is, it's about that whole idea of knowing who we are. Deep down inside, sometimes whether you had, you know, uh, I'm not pointing anybody out or anything like that, but sometimes we have um, dysfunctional family. Anybody ever come from a dysfunctional family? A couple of you? Yeah. Okay. Still have one. All right. Woo. Love it. Okay. Yeah. My family put the fun in dysfunctional. And uh, like I heard, I stole that from somebody, but, uh, but we, uh, but like at my grandmother's funeral, right? I found out that I had a sister that I grew up thinking was my aunt because my dad didn't want to marry my mom raising somebody else's kid. So now grandma's dead and we're sitting around in the living room of my aunt slash sister and, and we're counting up the obituary. I'm like, man, they got this wrong. That's, that's the incorrect number of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And my tia starts crying. My tia Maria, she's over there. And she just, and Anna gets up and just cries and goes out of the room. And Aunt Molly was there. And everybody goes, don't you know? And I'm like, obviously not. <laughs> you know? And then they go, Lisa's your sister. And I'm looking at my brother. My brother's looking at me. Did you know? No, no. Did you know? No. And so everybody in the room, apparently, the whole family knew, except for me and my siblings, that Lisa was actually a half-sibling at that time. And so, you know, but then on this last trip, huh, you see, I want to talk to you, say one thing with me. Ready? Redemption. Redemption. Okay. We're on this trip up to Michigan to visit my family, and my niece, Lisa, my aunt sister's daughter, comes to me and says, hey, I want you to baptize me and my two children. And I'm like, really? Really? Because they heard me talking, and then they said that they want to be baptized. So I got to baptize my niece and two great nieces, a great niece, whatever that chain is there, my, my sister's daughter's children, I got to baptize them in my sister's pool right then that day. Bam. Holy Spirit, come on. And I was just like, yes, redemption, Lord, redemption. All those years of not telling the truth comes clean and people are being drawn into your kingdom, Lord. And so we find out who we are and where we belong and where we fit when we understand how God created us we, and, we can, and we can connect into that family so we can be a holistic, growing church, so we can impact communities and nations and next generations. You guys, I, I work with youth with a mission. I'm not too youthful anymore. I'm still young at heart. But if you guys, some of you are younger than me, all right? And even if you're not younger than me, if you don't have a role, I'm gonna really encourage you to consider and pray working with Francisco in that youth ministry. Okay, especially even, you know what, I'm going to say, especially if you're my age, because by now you've got life experience that you can impart to the next generation. You've been there. You've done that. You got the shirt, right? 
So, and it's like that story I heard one time of, of this guy. He's, he's in this new place and he's walking around and, and he's walking in downtown, but he's not aware of what's going on. And he falls in this big construction pit in a downtown city. So now he's like, whoop, he's walking. He just, whoa, falls down in the pit and he's looking around. And it's like seven feet down, eight feet down and there's no obvious way out. And so he's yelling, hey, somebody help me. And this guy, you know, this guy's walking by and the guy goes, hey, I'll, um, I got to go to work right now, but here's my card. We'll sue the guy that left his hole here. I'll talk to you later and walks off. And the guy's down there in the hole going, hey, somebody help me. And the guy's up here going, man, you're in a mess. Let me go see if I can find somebody that knows what to do. And the guy's like, great. Coming back, right? Right? Nothing. He's like, hey, somebody help me. And this guy's walking by up here and he goes, oh, hey, how's it going, man? The guy goes, what are you doing? Now we're both down here. What's wrong with you? And the guy goes, it's okay. I've been here before. I know the way out. Ooh, come on now. Come on now. So, so that goes for life. That goes for experience. That goes for passing that torch, passing that flame. You know, and especially... I'm just going to touch real quick on the redeemed. You guys in that group on Monday nights, redeemed, that's part of your testimony too. You've been there? Take that torch now and lead others. Get out of there. Don't be here. This is not where you're supposed to be. This is not what you were created to be. This is not what you were designed to be. Come on, follow me. I've been here. And so we got to have the Bible as a foundational element of our relationship with Christ and in our growth process as individuals and as a church. So guys, if you're in that spot where you're kind of struggling with, well, how can I read this? If you're, if you're, a, if you're I'm going to say a long-termer and you've studied the Bible a lot, maybe this isn't for you, okay? I'm going to just be right up and just say that, okay? But if you're newer and you're confused or a little bit struggling with like how to read this, where to begin, or I don't really have a good set quiet time or a devotional period, and I really want to understand how to develop that. You know, if you don't wonder, if you wonder about, can I trust the Bible? Uh, you know, is it reliable? Where did it come from? Who wrote it? All that kind of stuff. Who was it written to? What's the purpose? If you have any of those type of questions, then this course is for you 100%. And I guarantee you, if you come in postured and to engage God through his written word, you're going to walk away different, guaranteed, 100%, 100%. You cannot have an encounter with a living God and walk away the same as you were, all right, period. I guarantee you that. And when you come in and you study his word, you will have an encounter with a living God and you'll be different. You'll be forever changed. You'll never be the same again. And so, okay. Last thing is in Galatians chapter three. I want you to, this is your homework, okay? Go home and read Galatians chapter three, verses one to nine and ponder that and consider it and make sure that that's not what you're doing, that you're not trying to finish in the flesh what was started in the spirit, okay? Do not try to finish in the flesh what was started in the spirit, did you come to a knowledge of God through the law or through the Spirit? Or is it a both and? 
uh-oh, now we're in trouble. Don't have time to answer all those questions. But let me tell you something. Once you have the encounter with God and his living presence through his word, you will not be the same. Read Galatians. Make sure you're not being foolish because it's foolishness to try to finish in the flesh what was started in the spirit. Let the word of God become that living and active two-edged sword that will pierce you in your heart and separate your motives from your, and your intentions. Let it be clearly cutting out and moving you and shaping you and molding you more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that quiet time in your life, not that it, you know, listen, having a list of to-do stuff like that, right? Like doesn't make you a better Christian. Like doesn't make God love you more but it makes you a better Christian in the sense that you're better equipped, more thoroughly trained in righteousness so that you understand when God says move, you move and you know what to do and you're not going, but God, what do I do? Read the book, man. It's in there. Okay? Now, it's a little oversimplified, but if we're prepared with knowledge and understanding of who God is and what he's calling us to do, then we don't have to worry. I see so many people worried about, well, what should I do? What should I do? I prayed for a job, and now I have two opportunities. Well, just take one. (laughs) Does it matter? You prayed. Now he's given abundantly beyond and more than you could ever hoped and dreamed. Take one. Take one. You know? I, I mean, we get so caught up in that type of stuff when we're making decisions. You know, I like to think of God as as a father that takes his kid into a candy shop. It's like you're walking down the street with your little boy and you see one of those, oh, I like jelly beans. Anybody like jelly beans? That jelly belly place with all the jelly beans in there, like 7,264 different flavors. And you're walking by and, and your kid says, Daddy, can I have a piece of candy? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go in. And you go inside and, and he's already asked permission. He's already said, yes, you can have one. And then the kid's in there and he's just going, wow. Look at all this candy. Which one, Daddy? And Daddy says, take your pick. I already said yes. But we get so stressed out. Do we really think, now apart from sinful behavior and sinful actions, do we really think that we have the ability to thwart God's will? I mean, if you think that, you better come to my Bible class. Just saying. Okay, so do we really have the ability to thwart God's will by making a wrong choice? Apart from sin. Apart from direct disobedience. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that we do. If I'm wrong, I want somebody to please come and tell me and explain it to me. Because I'm not sure that we can make a wrong choice as long as we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. We walk in spirit and truth. I don't think we can make a wrong choice. In fact, I believe that God will lead and guide and protect you through all of those, that whole decision-making process when you're doing that. Now, if you deter or if he flat out tells you, like he told Paul, don't go over there through the Holy Spirit. And then you say, well, I'm going over there anyway. You know, then now you, now you might be getting some, into some problem area, okay? But that's a whole nother story, a whole different topic. What I'm saying is you have to be confident knowing who you are, knowing who God is, and being equipped to face the temptations of this world. All right? So I encourage you to consider this course for your own sake, for the growth and, and just completeness 
of your faith and your ability to serve well in this church as a holistically trained individual, as we build up a holistic church and continue with that model. Guys, it's super important that we move forward together and that none of us think higher than ourselves, you know, than what we are. That, that we don't consider ourselves more than what we think. Let those scales be peeled off, guys. It's actually liberating. You know, you don't need to carry that stuff. All right. I want to pray for you. So you guys, would you guys stand up as we close this out? I'm going to stand up and just pray. Actually, it... Is there anybody in here, this is, is there anybody in here that feels kind of like, maybe like I did, or like Paul did, you know, um, thinking he's ready to go and equipped and, but you're struggling because you know there's more, or you haven't quite come to the place where you're surrendering not to give up your intellect and just go by blind faith. That's not what I'm saying. But surrendering what you think you know over to the will of God so that he can reveal to you what you need to know. So if you're struggling with that and you want to be able to connect through the Spirit, I would just ask for you to come on up here. I want to pray for you uh, as someone that has been knocked off his donkey. Um, I want to impart that to you. I want to pray for you to be able to receive that as well because um, it's, it's vital for the life and growth of us as individuals and for the church as a whole, not just Rock City, but the church universal, the global church around the world. We need this. So I'm going to give you about a minute if you want to come up here and then I'm just going to pray over the group. Oh yeah, and whenever you do that, you're supposed to call the prayer partners up. So come on up, prayer partners. Anybody here, if you're a prayer partner, come on up. And the rest of you guys, just kind of make a line right here. Yeah, that first step is often the most difficult. And the Lord is pleased that you're taking that step today to come forward in front of family to say, I, I, I want to do this, Lord. I want to go deeper with you. I want to know your word. I want to be empowered. I want to be trained in righteousness for the growth of your kingdom. So we'll just start. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray and then individually you guys pray um, with individuals after that. But Father God, we just come to you right now by the power of your spirit in the presence of your son to your throne and ask for you to see Elroy, to see these people that have stepped up and stepped forward 
with a desire to know your word. Father God, I pray that you will just release your spirit upon them right now, Lord, that the scales will fall from their eyes, that they will have their hearts molded and shaped closer and closer into what you have created them to be. Receive from the Lord, you guys. Receive wisdom and insight, grace and truth to read and to understand, to engage with his spirit, to engage with his word, to engage with his people. Be filled, be renewed in your minds, be renewed in your hearts, be renewed in your very soul. Thank you, Lord, for these people with brave hearts to step forward. Now meet them, lead them and guide them, fill them in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.